everyone. Welcome to Home From Home, a podcast where we answer your questions with our experiences and questionable advice. We're just two women, wives, and moms who like girls but love God. This is a safe place for real conversation where we will talk about the real highs and lows of life as disciples with added baggage. Can we help you with that? Welcome to your beautifully messy home from home. In this episode, we sit down with my mother and discuss her advice for Christian parents of LGBTQ kids. Welcome to your beautifully messy home from home. Well, hello. Uh, I'm Ellen, your host for today. And uh, my co-host Morgan is not with us today. She's soaking up some baby snuggles because she is out on maternity leave. She and her husband just welcomed their third little bundle of joy. Um, So honestly, uh, I think that's our messy moment for today. Every week we share a messy moment. I think that's a messy moment. I'll share that Morgan has just become the mom to three children. I can't believe it. I have two. And I know that I could not handle more than that. But Even though Morgan is out, I am not here alone today. Uh, I have a guest on that actually has four children, even messier, and one of them is yours truly. Uh, That's right. Today, we have my mom, Isabel, on the podcast. Welcome, mom. (laughs) Thank you, Ellen. So happy to be here. I love how you share your messy moments. (laughs) Yes. You you see most of my my mom and I live very close to each other, just down the road from each other. So you get to see lots of my real-time messy moments. Like yesterday, for example, I was in bed all day with a migraine and you came and took the kids for a bit so I could have a real-time messy moment. Thank you. <laughs> and then today you're on with me. So mom, tell our listeners a little bit uh, about you and your life and your family, our family. Sure. Well, um, I am a wife of almost 35 years and we have four children um, and five grandchildren um, that we are um consider our pride and joy. I <laughs> love being grandparents. Um, and we currently serve in the ministry. We have for many years. We became uh, disciples and fell in love with the Lord um, about 30 years ago. And um, and yeah, have served in the ministry for many years in Eastern North Carolina. We have a small church here that we lead. And I also work full-time um and uh yeah that's it don't know what else to say your life is is very full you have a lot going on for sure very full yes very very blessed yes you you do have four children five grandchildren you have a full-time job you serve in the ministry with your your husband my dad that leads a church and you always have a house full of people. I feel like you're always, you know, people from church inviting in. So your life is very, yes. very full. You have five <laughs> grandchildren you constantly want to see. Um, the reason I had you on this podcast today is, well, mostly because people don't just want to hear from me. That would be boring. But uh, we have a lot of Christian parents of LGBTQ kids that listen to this podcast. And I actually work with that demographic a lot. Um, and a lot of them are very curious as to what your experience was while I was growing up and how you both loved me 
and remained rooted in your faith. I think a lot of parents, at least that I work with, feel like they are in this tug of war match, like they have to choose. I either have to love my kid and that means unconditionally affirming everything they believe about their identity, or uh, I can remain rooted in my faith and that hinders my love and connection with my child. Now, I know it was a little bit different when I was growing up. It was a different time, but you've lived this life, right? Uh, You know what that's like. You've walked you've walked this path that a lot of these parents are walking right now. Unfortunately, we don't have time today to go through your entire experience. But the good news for the listeners is that uh, you can pre-order my forthcoming book, Love Covers Over, a guide for Christian parents raising kids in an LGBTQ world. And in that, uh, in the appendix is an exclusive look at my parents' experience. They wrote a chapter in it. Uh, But for today, I thought it would be helpful for our listeners to know from you, Mom, if there were just one thing that you could offer a a Christian parent of an LGBTQ child, one piece of advice, what would that be, knowing what that's like to walk that journey? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think probably the first thing would be not to give into fear and panic, Mm -hmm. Um, mostly because you know, that's kind of was my first instinct, Um, you know, kind of looking at my child, you who was, you know, I was suspecting some things were going on, but you don't want to believe it. So a little bit of denial, but then the fear, you know, and I think a lot of moms react that way. You know, we have, you know, we worry, we worry about our kids. We want the best for them. We want them to have, um, the security of knowing God and um, understanding why we're here. And so giving into that fear is what I would say is, you know, just, just tries hard. I know. Mm. Um, But that's what I would say is don't panic. Don't give into fear. Remember that you love your child. You still will love them. um, And that's still the most important thing is that you, um, that you love them and that you rely on on your faith and um, not your emotions. Mm. How did you do that? Because from my perspective, and I've heard you talk about this before, obviously, but from my perspective, when I was growing up, I didn't see that fear in you. There was one time where we got kind of gotten to like a family discussion. It was a little bit heated. And I remember you being really emotional and I could see some fear. But apart from that one time, uh, and even my sexuality wasn't even a, a, you know, part of that conversation. But apart from that one time, I don't remember seeing that fear come out. I'm sure it was there, but I didn't see it. What I see with parents is that they, in their fear, they either want to bury their head in the sand, pretend it's not there, ignore it, hope that it'll blow over, or... They want to run to the fight, face it head on and force their, you know, they become very controlling. So I didn't really see maybe glimpses here and there growing up, but I saw a very middle ground approach where you addressed it when it needed to be addressed with me, but you didn't seek to control. You didn't bury your head in the sand. I don't know if that's how it felt behind the scenes. How did you get to the point where you could get to that, what I would call messy middle space? Yeah, I think it was like ping ponging a little bit because for Mm -hmm. me, I do have that like, okay, I want to bury my my head in the sand. This isn't Mm -hmm. really happening. But at the same time, the fear is there. I feel it. And so it forced me to rely on God to like 
what do I do? You know, if I can't rely on my faith during times of trouble like this with my own child and things that I'm, um, you know, asking God help for, then, you know, what do I have it for? You know, I need to rely. I knew that, like, I need to rely on my faith here. This is what it's for. (laughs) Um, And so just a battle. It's a battle of telling myself the truth, like, okay, you can't give into fear, but knowing that I was too, like it, it's easy to talk about it now and see it for what it was. But when you're in the middle of it, you don't feel very spiritual or faithful. Um, it was just, you know, what can I do? You're just trying to manage it. Um, but when you look back and say, wow, I really did have to rely on my faith. I had to pray to God. I had to say here, God, take it out of my hands because I want to control it. I want to give into this fear. I want to, um, you know, even bury my head in the sand, those kinds of things. I just had to have God take it from me. Mm-hmm. And so it, it didn't look as neat as it sounds probably now, um, sure. but just fighting through and that, you know, I had to fight from, for my faith. I had to go to the word, um, and pray a lot, um, to get through it, to get to the point where it's like, okay, I trust you, God, and you've never let me down before. And I trust you. This is, this is yours. Mm. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of, um, surrender, right? Like you had to surrender. Yeah. And I think part of what helped me is remembering that God loved you more, even more than I did, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we do it because we love our kids, you know, you love your children, you, um, so you have this fear of what their life could be if, Mm -hmm. if you go in this direction and really kind of grounding myself with that saying, you know, God loves her more than than I do more than her parents do. And there's comfort in that, that God would, would lead me in this and lead you in it. If I surrendered to him. You know, you started out by saying you have to forget exactly the words you use, but you have to lean on your faith. You have to trust God. And I was going to ask you, how do you do that? But I think you, you answered that. Like you put that in there. You have to surrender. And in order to do that, you have to remember the truth. And I, that is one thing that I know I learned from you growing up that I even use with my clients today, right? And that I use personally, this whole, you mom have this amazing ability to kind of step out of what's happening in the here and now and zoom out and kind of what I would say, look through heavenly eyes, right? Gain perspective on it and say, wait a minute, what is the truth here? It feels like this, but what is the truth? God loves her more than I do. God is with us. He's in control. I have very little control over this, right? Like remembering the truth, rooting yourself in truth. And what I kind of hear you saying is remembering the truth helps with that process of surrender of, I don't want to say letting go, because that sort of feels like you know, you have no, you have no um, role in that. And you had a really big role in my upbringing. And even with, you know, um, how our family navigated my sexuality, my same sex attraction, my lesbian identity at the time, right? 
but you didn't have control over my experience or even eventually what I did with that. So it wasn't like this hands off, okay, God, she's yours, you deal with her now. But it was this, I trust you to guide the ultimate, you know, um, trajectory of her life and her heart. But I'm here fielding what I'm doing, my job, fielding what I need to field. Right. And and trusting God to guide me as a parent and how to mm-hmm. how to love you, how to speak my convictions to you when to do that. You know, there was a lot of prayer on timing of things and when mm-hmm. to um you know, speak up and when to be quiet and when to just put your arms around you and when to, you know, put your foot down and say, no, this is something we need to talk about now or we need to address. So a lot of, you know, asking for wisdom is, Mm. you know, and every situation is so different. So I feel like there's not really a necessarily, these are principles that can be applied, but every situation is going to be a little different and is going to require you know, wisdom for that particular person and situation. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's so true that, um, you know, that's something I try to help parents see too, that I work with that there, a lot of times there is no ABC answer here, right? There's no clear cut answer for every situation because it depends on your personal conscience as the parent, your family dynamic and your child's maturity level and lots of other things, right? So I love how you're saying this. This is about guiding principles. Um, I often, you said something that reminded me, I often remind parents that this is less about their child and more about their refinement before God. And I hear that in a lot of what you're saying that you were personally refined through this process. I think our relationship was certainly affected, right? And I would say in the long run for the better, right? It felt very tumultuous during that time. But in the long run, we've grown closer, I think, because of a lot of the things that were kind of happening then. But ultimately, this was about you and God. I think everything is. What do you think was cultivated in terms of your refinement through that period of your life? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that is so true. You know, at the beginning, it was, you know, I'm thinking this is about you and about helping you and I need guidance from God and I need wisdom and I need um, faith. (laughs) Um, And so I started to slowly realize even, you know, looking back that it was more about my faith in God, Mm -hmm. you know, this is really about me because of how my fear and anxiety um, came into play and how I was the one relying on God, you know, it was even, you know, not that it wasn't about you and trying to help you through this time, but it really became more about me and God. And it was a Mm -hmm. time of growth uh, for my faith during that Mm -hmm. time, you know, during the talk about messy moments, (laughs) it was a Mm -hmm. messy, messy time where you don't feel again in the moment, you don't feel like, wow, I'm really growing in my faith right now. Um, It just feels messy. You feel out of control. Um, There's hurt, there's fear, there's sadness. Um, But then looking back and I could see that my faith grew because of how I had to rely on God and give him, um, you know, my fears and my anxieties, I had to cast those away and really trust Mm. and understand grace more. And things like that do help you grow in the grace, you know, Mm -hmm. and understand that I need grace. She she needs grace. You know, you needed Mm. grace. And, um, 
Yeah, so definitely a, a time of personal growth um, in terms of faith. And I think what a great reminder uh, for all parents, no matter you know how your child identifies, is what you're describing there, mom, I think is the best tool that we have to essentially convert our children, right? That's the best tool we have to to instill faith in them, right? To instill a deep love of God is when they see us wrestling through life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, when they see those messy moments and us fall, but then us get back up and live for God. I remember from my childhood watching you and dad, those were the moments that were much more inspiring than your right, you know, like times that you exuded this, you know, pure righteousness, right? Those moments don't really affect my heart. But seeing you wrestle, wrestle toward that messy middle of righteousness and grace, truth and love, that's what instilled this deep faith and love of God and devotion to my life as a Christian. So I think sometimes we forget that as parents. We think, oh, we have to be on top of it and only be righteous and exude that to our children. But I think those messy moments are sometimes exactly what pierces their heart, you know, about God. So thanks for that reminder. Um one question I get a lot from parents of L, uh, Christian parents of LGBTQ kids is how do I talk to my other children about my child's LGBTQ identity? I'm not sure that's uh, anything you had to ex- navigate. I don't know. Maybe I, so that our family is set up. I have a brother that's a year younger and then a brother that's 12 years and then 14 years younger than me. So we sort of had two different family dynamics going on. I'm not sure that you had to navigate this discussion with my younger, younger brothers. I don't know if you ever did for my one that's a year younger. No, but um, I do think, you know, because we've had other, you know, different situations where you have to consider how much do I tell the other siblings? And, um, and of course, it's always good to be honest, but I think it's another uh, one of those situations where you have to weigh out everything and consider the individual situation, um, you know, because in general, you know, there's got to, there should be some communication and honesty is always best, but you have to mm. think about the maturity level and, you know, you know, is it an appropriate situation for the age group of the sibling and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just navigating that. But, you know, there's certainly, like you just said, there are things that that people see that are going on in the family and you don't want to pretend that everything's okay if it isn't. So it is best to communicate, you know, on some level. Um, So I think it's another situation where you have to pray, get advice, um, look for guidance and wisdom on how to do it, how much to tell. Um, But you're right when you say, you know, kids, siblings, you know, they see that something's going on. And so just denying it is not, is not, uh, conducive. (laughs) They can feel and sense that something's not right. So it's better to address it, I think. Yeah. And I think when you guys did that for us growing up about, you know, various topics throughout my own upbringing, what I remember about you just putting words to it even, right? Like you didn't even have to have it all like neatly wrapped up with a bow on top so I could perfectly understand. But you just naming, you know, we're, yeah, mommy and daddy got into a fight yesterday. You know, we, we are, you might've heard us arguing yesterday and everything's okay, right? Like you just putting words to things for us 
made it feel safer because I think when you when you don't you're young and you don't have your parents to put words to those things it feels bigger and more ominous and scary and confusing but when you have your parents just to explain it even if it's not perfectly explained it really helps to calm the heart of a, a young child I think that what I remember, and this is also spelled out in the upcoming book, uh, but what I remember about how you guys navigated some of these conversations with us, I just kind of like break it down into four steps. I remember first on anything difficult, you would explain it through an earthly lens, right? So what is happening in the eyes of the world? Uh, Your sister, your brother uh, is identifying as gay or trans, and this is what that means. And then explaining it through a godly lens, right? Uh, We don't believe this is what God wants for his people, but your brother, your sister, they're old enough to make that decision on their own, or they're not old enough to make that decision. And we're putting some boundaries around it. Uh, And then you help to develop some empathy, right? Can you imagine how difficult this must be for your brother or your sister trying to figure out who they're attracted to or how they feel incongruent in their own gender? That'd be really uncomfortable, right? Try to instill some empathy in, in the child's heart. And then come up with a plan as either for that child or for the family as a whole. How can we rally around this sibling and really love them, but still feel good in our own conscience, right? So I remember you guys doing that with various kind of um, culturally volatile topics throughout my own upbringing. And I think that's a great formula for parents to follow now to talk about LGBTQ topics with their own kids, whether it's, you know, um, a child that identifies as uh, LGBTQ or not. Um So thanks for giving me that formula, mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up too, because um, like you put it, that you put a name to it or you acknowledge it, you know, because I do think that kids know, you know, Mm. even if things, if it's just between parents, things aren't right. Um, Kids sense that and they either know or they sense it if they're younger and they, they can't articulate it. And so just acknowledging, like, you might be feeling this, mm-hmm. but, you know, we're working on it. There's things that we have to, we're talking to God about, we're talking to our close friends about, and we're getting help and let's pray together. And this is what you can do to help. And it's going to be okay because God has the answers mm-hmm. um, and we, you know, we're going to him. So that I think build some security in children rather than um, the fear because no one's saying anything, but I know something isn't right. Yeah. I love, I love, I had this visual in my head where you were saying that, that you naming it to your children gives them perspective of who's really in charge. It's really you as the parent that needs to worry about this, not them. And so by you explaining it as best you can, given that moment of your life, It helps to take the burden off of their shoulders and put it on you where it belongs. But then what we were talking about earlier, when you step out of that moment and gain perspective of who's ultimately in charge, then you're able to put it on God's shoulders and say, actually, this isn't even mine to carry, right? This is God's. I have to surrender it to him. So I love how that kind of came full circle there. Full circle, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Just to kind of close out here, I want to ask, you mentioned before, you know, there were lots of messy moments. It's easy to look back now and say, oh, this is what I would advise or this is how it went. But in the the middle of all of it, there were some messy moments. Can can you think of, can you share one of those messy moments with us? 
Oh, wow. You mean just uh, with little kids? Um, no, just with the whole refinement of my um, LGBTQ identity, identifying as a lesbian, living this life during oh, that time. Oh. Can you identify one of those messy moments that happened for you? Oh, during that time. In your own oh. refinement. Well, something just popped in my mind about, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if this is what you're thinking of too, but one of my fears, my many things that caused me anxiety, um, was you, um, you know, my prayer was that you would become a Christian before you were, uh, before, well, actually before you left the house to go to college and that didn't happen. And so at that time, I just thought, I don't know why my faith was just so, (laughs) um, lacking, but at the time I thought, well, if she's going to college and leaving the house, this will never happen, you know? And, um, even your dad was trying to calm me down one day and said, you know, it's, it's okay. She's still young. And, um, and I thought, well, no, who goes off and leaves their home and then becomes a Christian when they're 20. And, um, this is in the book, I think. And, um, so, you know, long story short, you did become a Christian when you were 20. And I felt (laughs) like that was, um, my messy moment for sure, where God was saying, you know, Hey, remember that time when you said that nobody will, you know, who grew up in the church and, you know, leaves home, goes to college and has not become a Christian yet. Um, you know, just doesn't all of a sudden at 20 become a disciple of Jesus, but God showed me. And that was another reminder thing to help me look back on the situation, you know, and go, okay, God, you were listening. You were there. You heard what I said, and you are so faithful that you showed me all these years later that, um, nothing's impossible. And yeah, so I think there's no mistake that you were 20 when you found the Lord. And because of that (laughs) comment I made and, um, God showing me how he was faithful to me and how I needed to grow in my faith at that time. And, and certainly since then as well. So I love that many messy moments. I thought you were talking (laughs) about, you know, kind of what you guys talk about with little kids, but yeah, that was definitely a messy moment during that. Yeah. I remember, I mean, I've heard you refer to that specific messy moment before as sort of like what Peter might've experienced when the rooster crowed, right? Like, oh, there, that was a really defining moment in your faith. It was like the rooster crow. And I did call it that because it's like, you just all of a sudden realize like, oh my goodness, she's 20, isn't she? (laughs) And uh, didn't I make that comment back then? And so um, very much a defining moment and a good way that God allowed me to look back and reevaluate the things that he was helping me refine in my faith. Mm. Yeah. We're so grateful that you came on today to share your refinement so vulnerably and wisely with us that hopefully other Christian parents of LGBTQ kids can learn from. And uh, I think we will have my mom back on our next episode. So stay tuned. Thanks for being here, mom. Thank you for listening to Home From Home. We'd love to hear your questions. Please submit through the link in the description.
Home From Home is sponsored by Strength and Weakness Ministries, a Christian organization that helps to bridge the gap between the Christian community and the LGBTQ community through awareness, education, and support. For more info and resources, go to strengthandweakness.org.